You know, I grew up in church. I was part of a musical family. Um, most of my family can sing. Um, there's only two musicians, and one of those musicians is my Uncle David. And my Uncle David, um, I would be bored at church. You know, kids, they stay in church. They get bored. But when my Uncle David was playing the organ or playing the piano, I would just be, like, mesmerized. And he started when he was just, like, 12 years old, um, playing the piano, playing the organ in church. And when I would look at him playing those keys, when he was on that keyboard, it was like magic. And really, it was the Holy Spirit. And every time I would see him get on those keys, I know that that's what God had called him to do. That's what he was meant to do. And I know a lot of us know people like that. We know, we see people doing something and we say, that's what they were meant to do. And we see this with a lot of celebrities. We see this with people that we admire who are famous. Um, basketball players like Michael Jordan. We, we go, man, he was made to play basketball. Or a Serena Williams playing tennis. We say, hey, she was made to have a tennis racket in her hand. Or who, who here likes Chick-fil-A? I love Chick-fil-A. And every time I eat a chicken sandwich, I, I'm like, Chewy Kathy was made to make a chicken sandwich. And you see these people and you say, this is what they were meant to do. But then you see other people and you go, hmm, I don't know about that. Like, I remember when we had, like, a lot of rappers trying to be, uh, a lot of basketball players trying to be rappers. Who remember when Shaq tried to rap? <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was a decent album, but you kind of go, ah, this is not your thing, buddy. And you see, like, people on American Idol, and they never make it past, like, the first round. It's like, that's not your lane. That's not your calling. And so we want to talk about discovering God's calling for your life. Discovering God's calling for your life. What is a calling? A calling, a good definition is a calling is the lane that you're supposed to be in. It's being at the right place, at the right time, being everything God wants you to be, doing everything God wants you to do. And when we talk about calling, a lot of times we think about preachers. You know, people say that they were called to ministry, but everybody who's a follower of Jesus has a calling. We're all called to ministry. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, if you're a firefighter, if you're a policeman, you're called to ministry. And that doesn't mean just in these four walls, in this church building, <clears throat> you're called to ministry no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are in life. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a small group leader. We're all called. And everybody has two callings, really. If you're not a follower of Christ, your first calling is to Jesus. You're called to follow Jesus. But then we have a second calling. It's God's intentions and his purposes for our life. 
Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2 and 10, 2, 8, 8 through 10. He says, for by grace you're saved through faith. And it's not from yourself. It's a gift from God. It's not from works so that nobody can boast. So that's your first calling of Jesus. But then he goes on to say, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. So God's already paved the road. You just got to find your lane. You have to find your calling. A calling is the sum total of everything that God wants for your life, for your work, for your relationships. It's everything that God wants you to be. And finding your calling is an important thing. You want to find your calling because you don't want to be aimless. You ever seen somebody who's just aimless? They're just kind of walking through life with no kind of purpose, no kind of plan. They kind of treat life like a waiting room. Anybody ever been in a waiting room? I hate going to the doctor's office and having to wait because everybody's sitting there. They don't want to talk to each other. And you're just sitting there and you pull out your phone or you grab a magazine and you're just passing the time. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're passing the time. They work for the weekend. Maybe they play a little PS4 or some Fortnite. They get a nice house. They get a nice car. They're waiting and waiting and waiting until it's time for God to call them home. That's not what your life is meant to be. Your life is meant to be more than that. And that's why you need to make it make an effort to find your calling. Some people need to find their calling because they're in the wrong lane. You ever seen somebody in the wrong lane in life? You see somebody who's really supposed to be an employee and they get promoted to manager? And it's hard on them and it's hard on everybody else. It's like you are not supposed to be my boss and you're probably not supposed to be the boss of yourself. You're just jacked up. (laughs) You ever seen somebody who is just like, this is not where you're supposed to be. And I can remember being in the wrong lane in real life. Like, a lot of people think I was born with these. (laughs) But I remember when I first knew that I needed glasses. I had just learned to drive. (laughs) Everybody goes. (gasps) I had just learned to drive, and I had my friends, and we were on our way to Hollywood. It's like, yes, it's time to party. Uh, This is pre-salvation days. (laughs) And I get to the freeway, and I drive up the on-ramp. But a car starts coming down the on-ramp, and I realize this isn't the on-ramp. This is the off-ramp. And so I had to do a quick U-turn, come back down, and, I mean, we narrowly escaped with our lives. But here's the thing. When you're in the wrong lane, you could be a danger to yourself and everybody else. It would be a shame for somebody to be a pastor and they're in the wrong lane. You could be damaging folks that you're supposed to be leading. And not only that, you're damaging yourself because you're not doing what God has called you to do. 
And you want to find your calling. You want to find that right lane because you don't want to experience life as this big uh, pile of guilt and obligations. You know, I babysat, not babysat, but I watched the kids in small group this past weekend, and it was hard understanding some of the little ones. It's like, what are you trying to say? Is that a physics equation? Like, what's going on? But the one thing that I heard clearly with all those toddlers was no. (laughs) I didn't understand anything else, but when I take away stuff, no. When you find your calling, you can get in touch with your inner toddler. (laughs) You'll learn when to say no. A lot of us are doing things because we feel guilty and obligated to do them. And it's not really what God wants us to do. God wants to relieve you of that and have you walk in freedom. But you can only do that when you find your calling and learn how to say no. And you want to find your calling because God's got plans that go beyond you. I think about my grandfather. He, he's a pastor. Or he, he's a retired pastor. And when he started out, he started out with most of his congregation was a bunch of kids and a bunch of moms on welfare. And he's like, look, I know God has called me to this. And people were telling him, like, you're never going to make it. This is not going to work. And years later, the church has grown. But beyond that, beyond a church growing, I'm a recipient of him being obedient to his calling. Through all of those miracles that I saw, all of those healings, all of those ways that God provided, I said, look, this thing is real. And I'm going to follow this Jesus that my grandfather is following. Your calling goes beyond you. And so we see the importance of calling, but how do we discover what's our calling in life? What is the calling that God has for us? And in order to do that, we're going to go to our scriptures. We're going to go to Exodus 3, 1 through 12. Exodus 3, 1 through 12, and you can follow along in your phone or your tablet, and there's also Bibles at the end of your row. But before we do that, let's pray. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for everyone here under the sound of my voice. I pray, God, that they would hear your word directly from you, God. I pray, God, that you would just break down any hardness of heart, that you would just open up their hearts to receive what you have for them. I pray that you would set people free through the word that you've given to me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to take a little water here. I'm coming down with something. Okay, Exodus 3. One day... Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. 
There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, that's a lot of ites, now live. <laughs> Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must leave my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, <clears throat> you will worship God at this very mountain. And so here we have uh, the story of Moses, and this is a familiar story. Uh, who's seen the Prince of Egypt? You know, they used to play the Ten Commandments every year. We're familiar with the story of Moses, but just a little recap. Moses was born um, to an Israelite mom and dad during this time when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And so they were slaves in Egypt and Pharaoh's like, look, these people are getting out of control. We're going to have to curb this population boom. And he basically orders all the male boys to be killed, all the male boys under two years old to be killed. And so Moses's mom says, hey, I got a plan. I'm going to hide my kid. I'm going to send him away. And so he put, she puts Moses in a little bitty boat, tiny little boat slash raft, sends him out to, on the Nile River. And ironically, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and raises Moses up in the palace. Moses is raised in the palace He's living good as an Egyptian, but he sees his people being treated unjustly, and he sees this Egyptian taskmaster, and he murders the Egyptian taskmaster, and then he's on the run as a fugitive. He runs off into the wilderness, into the desert, and he finds this man named Jethro's daughter. They hook up. They get married. Moses becomes a part of Jethro's family and becomes one of Jethro's shepherds. And this is where our text begins. Moses can show us, this is Moses being called 
by God. This is one of the first most explicit, explicitly detailed callings from God. And so the first thing we notice in Moses' call is that in order to discover God's calling for your life, you have to be faithful with what you've been given. You have to be faithful with what's right in front of you. A lot of us want this big dream, this big vision, like we're going to cure cancer, like we're going to be this big star. But God says, do what I've already given you to do. I can't give you this big, huge assignment if you can't take care of the little assignments that I give you. I remember when I first felt like God called me to preach. I was a young, wild-eyed college kid, and I said, you know what? Since God has called me to preach, I'm dropping out of school. I quit my job, and I sat at home like, all right, God, you called me to preach. So bring on the preaching engagements. (laughs) They didn't happen. And then I said, okay, the preaching engagements didn't happen. So maybe I should go to a school where people learn how to preach. And so I go to this Bible college and I sit in the, uh, the desk in front of the director of the Bible college and I'm like, all right, tell me what I got to do to sign up. And he's like, are you employed? I'm like, no. Well, we only take people who've had work experience. And I'm like, really? So I have to go back to my job, eat humble pie. Like, can I get my job back again? I actually did get my job back again, but that whole experience taught me something, that I needed to do what was right in front of me instead of trying to reach for the stars for some big thing. God wants us to be on time for work. God wants us to not cut corners at work. God wants us to be able to pay our bills on time. God wants us to stop racking up credit card debt. It's the simple little things that open up the way for God to call us to something bigger. Why would I give you this huge assignment and you can't even consistently make it to work at 9 9 a.m.? Why would I entrust you with the finances of a church? I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) You see where I'm going with this. Moses is faithfully shepherding these sheep. And a lot of times when you're faithful with what you've been given, the core of what God wants to call you to is right there. If you actually do what you've been given, God can give you more right there where you're at. Case in point, Moses is a shepherd. He's taking care of sheep. What does God call his people? You hear it all through scripture. My sheep hear my voice. I lead my flock like a sheep. So Moses is getting prepared for a greater calling. And if you do the little things that God gives you, then God can open up the way to call you to something greater. Young people, don't expect to do something great without practice. 
A lot of times we want to do great things, but we don't want to practice. It doesn't work that way. Even somebody like Michael Jordan had to practice. Even somebody like LeBron James has to practice. It's the little, small things. I'm reading a book now about uh, Bill Walsh. He was the coach of the 49ers back in the 80s. Anybody remember the 49ers, Joe Montana? Only the Cali people really know. But anyway, (laughs) Bill Walsh, they would always say, what do you plan to do when you go out on the field, when your team goes out on the field? And he wasn't concerned about winning. He was mostly concerned about his team doing the little things within that seven seconds of every football play. The little things. Those are the things that count. Those are the things that God wants you to pay attention to. You come in here, God, uh, somebody says, hey, we want you to be a volunteer for the kids' ministry. You go, oh, it's just kids. I show up when I want to show up. That's not how this works. And then you want to be, you want God to give you something more? That's not how this works. You have to do something that you think is small. I remember I started out teaching little preschoolers, and I was so upset. I was looking at my grandfather like, why do you have me teaching these kids? I got so much rich word in me. (laughs) Why you got me teaching these three-year-olds and four-year-olds? And I went to him, and this was like years later after I got my act together, and he says, I want you to teach the adults now. I'm like, all right. It's my turn for the big leagues. And he said, I had you teaching the little kids because if you can't break it down to them, you can't break it down to the adults. It's the little things. Moses is shepherding sheep, and he's on the far side of the wilderness. Not only is he faithful with the little things, but he's faithful in obscurity. Nobody knows what he's doing. He's far away from his calling. And a lot of times when you do this stuff that seems small, it seems like nobody's looking. You're at your job. You get passed up for promotion. You get passed up for promotion again. It's like I'm doing everything right, but nobody's looking. You got this big idea and you don't have any connections to make it happen. And you're like, how is this going to work, God? But see, here's the thing. You think nobody is looking, but the most important person is looking. God is looking and he's the one who counts. You know, every time my kids have some kind of play or some kind of program at school, I make sure that they catch my eyes when I'm in the audience. Because as many people that show up, the main one that they're concerned about to show up is me. And that's the way God wants us to look at him. Don't be concerned about if anybody's looking, human, if anybody human is looking. Be concerned whether the one who counts is looking. And God is the one who counts. And so we have to be faithful with what we've been given. And then you see in Moses' encounter, in Moses' story, that he needs to encounter God. 
And in order to discover God's calling for your life, you need to encounter God. Look at this story. This is so amazing. I mean, it's a bush that's burning, but it doesn't burn up. That'll get your attention. And God wants to get your attention. And it may not be a burning bush. I know that's what you're looking for. That probably won't happen. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but that's probably not going to happen. But God gets our attention in other ways. You ever have somebody tell you the same thing like three times in a row, three different people tell you the same thing? That's God getting your attention. Sometimes God gets your attention by you being laid off. Sometimes God gets your attention by you being just dissatisfied. There's a restlessness. Sometimes God gets your attention while you're looking at something and it makes you angry, but nobody else gets angry. They just think this is normal. God's trying to get your attention, but you have to listen. You have to be open to what he's trying to do. And so God gets Moses' attention, and he calls him by name. Moses, Moses. He's initiating this relationship. And you can't discover God's calling for your life unless you have a rich, substantial relationship with God. I'm not talking about, hey, I come here, you know, Gina wants me to come every Sunday, so I come maybe every two Sundays, drop a little change in the bucket. When they say stand up, I stand up. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a relationship with God where you hear from God and God talks to you and you obey what he says and then he tells you something else and there's a dialogue going on here. There's a back and forth going on here. That's what Moses had. He had a rich relationship with God and so God calls Moses by name. Moses, Moses. And Moses, I love his answer. Here I am. Here I am. You know, when I was growing up, my mom would call us. And you better not say what. (laughs) It better be yes, mom. Moses has that same posture. He is ready to submit to whatever God wants for him to do. He's available. All the chips are in. He's all in. He doesn't even know what God is about to say. A lot of us, we don't want to get to that point because we're scared God's going to send us off to Africa. And we're going to eat some food that we don't even know what it is. Or God's going to send us to the ghetto and it's pork and beans time. You're holding back. Because you're not ready to do whatever God wants for you to do. Moses is ready. And that's how you discover your calling because you're all in. John Wimber said it like this. John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. And he said, 
I'm just loose change in God's pocket. He can spend me any kind of way he wants. Are you ready to be loose change? Because that's the only way you're going to find your calling. A lot of us want to stay in control. God, I'm ready. I want you to tell me what I need to do, but just don't touch this. Don't touch my job. Don't touch my family. Don't touch the fact that I want to watch this certain TV show at this certain time. Come on now, you know it's the truth. You want everything under your control just the way you want it, just the way you like it, and that's not how you walk in the calling of God. You need a posture and a willingness to submit, and you need a posture of worship. After Moses says, here I am, God says, hey, wait, let me tell you who I am. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Take off your shoes, boy. Do you know who you're dealing with? I'm the one who made the universe. This is holy ground. And Moses says, okay, covers his face. You find your calling when you're in a posture of worship, when you acknowledge God for who he is. Not for what you want him to be. A lot of us want him to be Santa Claus. A lot of us want him to be a vending machine. Hey, I put a little uh, time at church in. Let me get a little blessing out. I put a little tithe in. Let me get a little blessing out. But that's not God. God is so much bigger than you could even imagine. God has plans for you that you probably haven't even, you don't have an inkling of what God wants to do in your life. You think you got all of this figured out. You don't. You don't have it figured out, and you need to acknowledge the one who has it all figured out. You know, we come through uh, with the youth in the back to worship, and I, I, I get a good church eye view of everybody and I'm, I'm like some people are in it they know who they're dealing with they know they're dealing with God almighty and then other people I'm like yeah, you kind of look like you know when you have to stand for the national anthem at a ball game I go oh, they want me to do it I guess I got to do it. I came for the game but I'm not that patriotic God wants you to acknowledge who he is. And when you acknowledge who he is, you'll find out more of who he's created you to be. We have to encounter God. And then we have to have a people-oriented mindset. In order to discover God's calling for your life, you need a people-oriented mindset. God, once, once Moses worships God, gets in a posture of worship, God gives him the lowdown. This is what I came to do. I'm the God of your people. I see that your people are oppressed. I'm going to rescue them, and I'm going to help your people. It's people, 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 people. It's always about people. A lot of us are trying to find our calling. We're trying to figure out what God wants us to do next, but it's all about us. 
Here's the thing that I learned a long time ago. You ready for it? It's four words. If you get these four words, life will go so much smoother for you. It's not about you. You go on the internet, you see these advertisements, follow your passion, quit your day job, fire your boss. <laughs> roll my eyes because I know that ain't God because it's all focused on me, me, me. Yes, God wants you to follow your passion. God, God has given you these passions, but your passions are for people. You see somebody's life that's not working the way it's supposed to work, it's because they're not people-oriented. I'm going to come to the guy section here. You got married. Wedding day. This is our anniversary month. We're going to celebrate 14 years. I wrote these beautiful vows. I'm going to serve you and love you and da-da-da-da-da. I'm saying them. All I can think about is honeymoon, 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 honeymoon. (laughs) And you know you did it too. And then year one rolls around and it's like, dang, I got to serve her? I have to like lay down my rights? It's about her? Wait, I thought it was about, that's not how this works. Women, moms, I'm coming to your neighborhood. I want to have a baby. Oh, I want to have this cute, beautiful baby. Isn't he so cute? Oh, year two rolls around. I have a demon child. (laughs) You get that all straightened out. Year 13 rolls around. The demon child is back. And now you're trying to make sure this little child makes you look good. Don't do your hair like that. Don't wear those clothes. But guess what? It's not about you. It's not about this kid making you look good. It's about this kid being a responsible citizen and following Jesus. That's your assignment. It's about the kid, not you. Phil Strout, he's the national director of the Vineyard. He has this phrase, and he borrowed it from St. Ignatius. And it's for the greater glory of God and the well-being of the people. If your calling doesn't involve that, it's just an idea. It ain't a calling. So God says, hey, This is all about my people. Moses, come. I got a job for you. Whenever God wants to do something, he partners with humanity. He partners with people. 
He says, hey, I need a group of people. I need this nation to be formed. Hey, uh, Abraham and Sarah, I got a job for you. Hey, I need all of my people to get out of Egypt. Hey, Moses, I got a job for you. Hey, these people are going to take over my nation, and they got this big old giant. Hey, David, David, I, I got a job for you. You know what? This whole thing is all jacked up. People are sinful, and they, they're going to hell. Jesus? Wait, I need to be a person? Yeah, because that's how I work. I work through people to benefit people. We have to be people-oriented. And then the last, or the second to last thing, we have to be involved in something bigger than us. God calls Moses, he gives him the challenge, and then Moses protests. He says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead these people out of Egypt? He questions whether he can do it. Before, Moses thought he could do it. He killed a man thinking that he could do it. But now he realizes he needs God. And if you have a calling from God, you will realize you need God to fulfill it. If it's a real calling from God, it will drive you to your knees. Moses asked, who am I? Well, you're God's servant. Remember that when you're at your job. Yeah, I work for XYZ company, but I'm God's servant. Remember that when your kid is giving you a hard time. Yeah, I'm this boy's mom, I'm this boy's parent, but I'm God's servant. You walk in that need for God. I'm not just doing something on my own. I've been assigned this huge task from God himself. I'm God's servant. Moses questioned his ability to walk in this calling. And if you have a calling from God, you will question whether you could do it or not. It will stretch you. It will pull you and push you and drive you insane. And you'll think that, what am I doing? When you feel overwhelmed like that, when you have that kind of weight, that's when you know this is from God. You know, sometimes you see some things that it's like, man, I can do that. That's not a calling from God. It's you just working stuff out. I'm preaching to myself now. A lot of times we look at what we can handle. It's not about what you can handle. It's about what God can handle. Calling from God is something bigger than you. It's going to drive you to your knees. And a calling from God will always have you taking risks. In the vineyard, we spell faith a funny way. We spell faith R-I-S-K. Risk. I promise you we are literate people. <laughs> but if you're going to live by faith, you have to take risks. So God says, hey, you know, Moses asked these questions. Who am I? Who am I? 
And God says, don't worry. I'll be with you. I'm going to give you my presence. And my presence is a response to your obedience. You want to know whether God is in something? You have to take a step out in faith or you're never going to know. God says, I'll be with you. My presence will be with you. Don't worry about success. Don't worry about failure. You may fail in the world's eyes, but be a success in God's eyes when you're obedient. A lot of us, we want everything to work out. We want to have the whole picture, but that's not how this works. That's not how it works. God goes on to say, and this is, this is the best part, I'll be with you. And here's the sign that I'll be with you. And if I was Moses, my ears would perk up like, oh, you're going to give me a sign. And a lot of us want a sign. You want a sign like, hey, I got to see, like, I got to be sure. And I'm thinking to myself, Moses, you're talking to a burning bush. What other sign do you need? And I think that's what was going on through God's mind because he says, here's the sign that I'll be with you. When you do it, you'll worship me on this mountain. I'm like, that's not a sign. Like, you're telling me when I do it, I'll do it? (laughs) Wait a minute. Basically, Moses, I'm not going to give you all the answers. Just obey me. You know, we have this idol of certainty. We have to know exactly that this is going to work out and I'm not going to endure any hardship and everything's going to go right. But that's just not how life works. God is not going to write out, okay, and Alicia, she's going to get up in the morning and then Alicia, you're going to do this and then you're going to do that and um, they're going to cut you off on the road. and. No, you got to take a step out and see what God is going to do. God is basically telling Moses, take a risk and watch me show up. That's when you know this calling is from God, when you have to take a risk and then see what God does. You know, I got lost going to my wedding. Yeah, I do a lot of dumb stuff. (laughs) So, you know, I'm nervous. Night before, I didn't even get any sleep. But I'm all, you know, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I won't, Yvette would say cocky. Um, Just, I know directions. I, I can't get lost. Like, you know, the way we went to the rehearsal and the way we came back, I can remember the way we went there is the way we came back and the way we came back is the way we went there. No big deal. Get up, get in the car with my best man. We're driving, driving. We start seeing the same signs. Like, wait, what's going on? Start seeing the same signs over and over again. Why aren't we there yet? Okay, here it is. This is the exit. This is, this is where we're supposed to be. We start driving, driving. And it's like, um, this is totally unrecognizable like we're out in the boonies 
And so this is like when people first started getting cell phones. So there's no GPS. I have nothing. So we call folks who are there at the venue. It's like, hey, this is where we are. It's like, why are you there? <laughs> because we took the way that we came. We went the, right, the way back. Just reverse. This is easy, right? He said, listen, you're, you were on a beltway. It's a beltway. Like, in California, you guys know what a beltway is, right? The freeway that goes around the city. So for like an hour, just going around and around and around, and then we panic, and instead of going the right way, we go the opposite direction. Finally, we go back, we get in the right lane, we're on our way. Are you walking in the calling God has given you? We see you can. The reason we're going in circles, the reason why we're going in circles is because we're in the wrong lane. We got lost. We didn't know what we were doing because we didn't find the right lane. It is imperative for you to find the lane that God wants you to be in. There is no greater joy. I can think about the times in my life when I knew this is where God wants me to be. This is what God wants me to do. There's no greater joy than that. And there's no greater sadness than knowing I'm not where I'm supposed to be. A lot of us are facing issues and difficulties and problems because we're not in the right lane. God wants you to stop going in circles. Find the lane that you're supposed to be in. Walk in your calling. Let's pray. Lord God, I just, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you have prepared our hearts to receive your word. And God, I just ask that you would direct us to the lane, to the calling that you want us to walk in, Lord. I pray that we would not shrink back from fear. I pray, God, that we would not be lured by all the distractions around us. I pray, God, that we would obey you, that we would seek your face and pursue what you want us to do and who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.